Hello, my dear friends. Thank you for tuning into this latest episode of Love Service Wisdom with myself, Marissa Rada Wepner. This episode, I'm in conversation with Divneet Kroor Lal. She is an author. She has written Mastering Creation Using the Law of Unification. And in this episode, she shares all about what her theory of creation is, how we can cooperate with creation, what the law of unification is and the different planes of mind and planes of existence. And she shares as well her own spiritual path and how she came to this knowing, this gnosis and these laws and this awareness of how to live in harmony with the law of unification through her own history and background and life practices that has led to her life purpose. So I think you'll find this conversation an absolute delight with Divneet. She was joining me all the way from India, where she's from and where she lives. You can learn more about her and her work at her website. That's her name, divneetkrorlal.com. That's D-I-V-N-E-E-T-K-A-U-R-L-A-L-L. Com. And uh, she's got all kinds of programs, including the book that you can engage with her with. She's, uh, I, one of the things that I loved about her is she is so connected to her own practice and her own direct embodied experience as her reference point for what she's sharing in the world and what she's speaking of. It's not something that she's just parroting or replicating it's what she has felt come through her own being and so in that way it's it's unique and um special to just her while it has parallels with so many other practices and traditions and can feel quite accessible so again her book is mastering creation using the law of unification check her out and all of her work. We had this conversation back in mid-October. So it's been a few months. Here we are now. This is coming out the end of December 2021. And um, happy holidays, everyone. Happy winter solstice, which is tomorrow. Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, all of the events of celebration of this transition from darkness to light and into the new year. It has been a wild one indeed, 2021, which is wrapping up. And I hope you're all finding a little reprieve, a little repose and some time to rest as well as celebrate and enjoy the holidays with friends and family. That's my goal right now. And uh, what have I got going on? Mostly focused the past few months on the launch of Journey Space, which I've mentioned maybe just a, the past couple episodes. It's the platform I've been co-creating with my partner, East Forest and Louis Kofsky. That is a platform for musically guided, facilitated ceremonies online. And we had our first 
Journey Space journey early December that was incredibly successful for all, all the participants who joined us. And we're going to have a second ceremony January 8th. So coming up in a couple of weeks and then February 12th. And we're growing into more affinity groups and integration and prep practices and really trying the main motivation is accessibility where so many are newly interested or continually interested in psychedelics and the role that psychedelics or journeys might play in someone's own health healing transformation and wanting to have guidance for that and not maybe being able to travel to where a clinic is or a facilitator or a shaman or a guide is. You can do it from your own home, but have a guide with you, have the guidance of the musical ceremony and have community that you're doing it with and connection and community being an inclusive space for all somewhere where we can come together and, and be with others who are also on their own path of learning and self-discovery. It's so inspiring and supportive for our own selves to have that shared witness, particularly in the prep and integration spaces. And it's also something that people can join that includes any background, any affiliation, any lineage or belief system, all of it's welcome. It's not like there's one particular dogma or religious faith or way that you have to be or something that you have to prescribe to in order to uh, try it out. It's open to everybody. We're not affiliated with any one religion or tradition or spiritual leader. And, and so it's, again, that inclusive, open, accessible space for all of us that are on the path of awakening, opening, feeling, curiosity, and growth. This is for you. You can learn more about Journey Space at journeyspace.com, about the upcoming journeys, about um, our mission and our vision. There's a whole list of FAQs. If the, is this right for you and how might it work in your own life? And feel free to reach out with questions too. You can just email to team at journeyspace.com, team at journeyspace.com. If you're maybe interested in hosting a journey or facilitating a journey or participating in a journey, reach out and we'll give you the information that you need for that. And as of right now, let's just enjoy this conversation with Divneet. Okay, welcome Divneet to Love Service Wisdom. It's a treat to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Radha. You're welcome. You're welcome. And I um, I'm so excited about your upcoming book. It looks just fantastic. It looks fabulous. You, it seems like you've been living the truths that you've been writing about for a very long time. And that's how you came to your work. Is that true? Mastering creation is from your own self-study? Yes, it is. And, you know, I was even not aware about uh, this work I, I will be doing until I had this, you know, kind of the spiritual experience. And it all led to the creation of this book and the creation of this law of unification in the book. When you say you had a spiritual experience, what was that like for you? Uh, actually, it was a uh, 
it was the complete dissolution of the self. So like uh, I, I had been doing, you know, meditation practices since I was a child. Uh, I have, I was also reading a lot of spiritual books and texts. But uh, when can I just pause you there? You said that if, when we were speaking before we started recording that you were raised in India, correct? That's right. And so did you have a particular teacher or lineage or type of meditation that you were doing? You know, in India, I used to practice like I have uh, been doing the simple, basic meditation techniques. Uh, like, you know, we do dhyan in India. So dhyan is just concentrating your attention on the breath, breathing techniques. You know, so these kind of very simple and basic meditation practices, mostly the ones that yogis in India do. So mm -hmm. I used to do those practices. I started them very early on uh, when I was a child. In fact, even reading those books, uh, you know, those books, uh, I just got them uh, when I was a child. I just, you know, started reading them and there was these practices, yogic techniques, and I just started practicing them. Did the books, uh, did you find them at home or there was an yes. ashram nearby or? Mm -hmm. So I, I'll tell you now, this was this one book of which I found at my home. Maybe, you know, someone read it in my, uh, at my home. I do not know. Even I do not remember the name and the author of the book because I was very young. I was like around uh, 10 or 11 years of age. And I started doing those simple uh, practices like breathing techniques and, uh, you know, focusing your attention upon the breath. And uh, when you like talked about the guru, so for me, the guru has always been, I never had like the physical teacher, never. Uh, it's, it's always been the books, the text I read, the word I read. And there were these pointings uh, in those books for sure. But I never understood uh, the actual meaning until I had this experience. Uh, and because whatever I interpreted in the books was completely different uh, than the experience. And, you know, the same books when I read earlier, uh, you know, before the experience and the same books when I read after the experience, it was like it was a vast difference in how I was interpreting those things. Because now I was able to actually see what, you know, the pointings were actually where they were going. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is how it happened. So you were young and you found some spiritual books at home, began doing the practices out of them. And then when was it that you had your spiritual awakening as you describe it? Uh, I had it like... Uh, a few years ago and what actually happened was I was meditating so I was living a very normal life like I was having my job and I was doing you know like normal people do a very uh, you know like material life they say mm -hmm. and um, and but I was trying to balance it with my meditation techniques and with my interest in the spirituality but I never you know I never put it on that, you know, gave it a lot of focus. I just thought that maybe I need to balance it with my life. And I did that. But um, during these meditation practices, uh, so there was a time when I had this complete, like something just vanished, like went away. And uh, I, I just, <laughs> I was not able to, you know, understand what actually happened at that moment, because it was completely empty. And it was peaceful though, but it was very, it was like a void, empty feeling. And mm. then there was this a very, you know, dark kind of feeling. Mm. 
but it was peaceful and very silent. And after a while, so after this time passed by, I, I do not really have a count of like months or I do not know what, but this brightness started coming in. And that was when this whole thing, the experience actually, I felt that the experience was complete when that fullness came in. But until that period, it was very disorienting because I was not able to, like mind was confused. Like there was this person who was doing everything. And now I was not able to, you know, even do those meditation practices, but because it was like, I was trying to force stillness with those meditation practices. Mm-hmm. And now it was, it, it just came, it, it was like there when the person went away. So I was not even able to do those meditation practices at that time when that dissolution happened. When the dissolution happened, were you in the middle of a practice or was it in the middle of everyday life? No, I was not in the middle of everyday life. I was meditating okay. and it happened in like a moment, uh, like I, like just in a second, something just went away and mm. it was gone. Like your yeah, sense of so, self went away. Yeah, I just... Uh, yeah, I mean, I do not, I, I can't even say, it, it was very, very, uh, it was also scary for a while because, you know, it's, I we, we cannot even explain these things in words, even those texts I used to read, I used to read and those, you know, books, they, they say this happens. I'm saying it, it happened, but the experience cannot be explained. So yeah, it just, and at that moment, I was not aware that my sense of self went away. I, what I was able to say was that something has gone. Like, mm. it's like, you know, there is, there is this, uh, if I have to describe it in as a, suppose there is this bottle filled with some water or something and then suddenly you just suck that water out of it Mm. and then it it just becomes empty it was like that it reminds me of like the veil of maya disappearing and you were simply tria or brahman or the absolute right or atman yes but but you know at that moment i would not say i was the absolute that was the moment when just this the the person went away so that absolute that sense of absolute you know, absolute uh, thing came when this brightness came in. So for me, it kind of happened in stages, I would say. It just, it did not happen in that, you know, the whole thing did not happen in one process, like that sense of absolute uh, thing did not came at that very moment. It came after a while when that, the brightness started coming in. So, yeah. Mm. And so in your practice too, it sounds like you weren't being led by a teacher. You didn't have like an end goal destination that you were trying to achieve. You were simply doing sadhana. You were just practicing what you'd been practicing for a while when, like you described, the, the lid came off. That's right. But there was this urge, you know, I always had this uh, very, you know, urge was there. I would I would not say it was not there. It was there uh, since the very beginning, I would say, as even when I was a child, like, like to know this, to know something like what is like behind the scenes or something like that. So I was searching for something, but I had no idea what I was searching for. Right. So there was a sense of seeking, but not knowing like I'm going to get here. It's I want exactly. to experience i want to understand what is out there i'm feeling a pull but i don't know even really towards what 
exactly absolutely this was the thing like i was feeling that i was searching something but i did not know what i was reading those books i, I had no idea like where i was going but yeah i was doing that because of this you know pull or mm-hmm. uh, this desire this urge which was so but for a while like kind of as i told you I, there was the surge but for a while you know when when we just grow up we just uh, we usually it happens with us we start giving less attention to our spiritual activities and it happened with me as well so i just you know kind of uh, put it on a back seat for a while and that was the time when this urge even got stronger inside me mm-hmm. and after that like after a while i had to give it attention because it was growing i knew it was growing the more i was trying to you know put it on a back seat or the i i used to get more invested in the material world mm-hmm. the more it was growing so it happened and um, so i i and that was the time when it, i i just felt that you know powerful urge and i spent i just started spending more time in solitude because of this so i i just thought that i have to you know pursue mm-hmm. it for a while or maybe i have to give this attention and then you had this experience and you came down from it and then was the question what was that what happened to me that's right so i i could not understand it uh, you know in the first go what happened so for a while the mind was confused like because now the mind was actually being operated by that person the person that went away so there was this confusion like what happened uh, but that confusion remained until you know uh, until that that fullness that brightness came in and once that was there it was like there was this knowing now there was the sense of you know it, it was just i just knew it was like very i mean the questions just went away the questions dropped away now the so now like a, like a gnosis ask, right no right, right 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 so we just you just you know kind of get a get a it's it's just you get an understanding a knowing that about something you you do not ask any more questions then it, it was like that after that brightness came in mm-hmm. and then the knowing was what the law of unification no no so the knowing was um so the knowing was that you know i was able to witness it i i could not even tell you what, what the knowing was it was more like this is the ultimate truth like the separation which we all experience is actually not there and this is this a field you know a field of bright light which is covering everything is all it is because i was able to witness it in even in the things they just started appearing more bright not just you know people but even the things even even the objects started appearing more bright everything mm-hmm. so it was all there but this law of unification was um during this time it it just uh, while this the, the whole thing happened these ideas this force was you know kind of hitting me with these ideas and um these ideas were something i just felt that i kind of tapped into this plane which is the you know which i call the idea mind and which is actually a provider of all the ideas or uh, everything we have to do in this world or everything we have to work upon 
so these ideas started coming in and i had to work upon those ideas i started researching i used to do it earlier i was like i was a person who used to read a lot research a lot read about consciousness and all these things but that was the moment when uh, suddenly these ideas about creator gods and these these mythologies the the motives of creator gods that are found in mythology started hitting me and i started researching upon them and this is how this law of unification happened like it just came into existence and i had to write this book now again i was i was not an author like i just had to do it i do not know why but there was this force which was kind of you know asking me to do it and mm-hmm. i had to do it i had to work upon that are you familiar with the idea of the muse a muse uh, i'm not sure the muse or even like a genius is like in creativity it can be described as the idea the inspiration that comes to you that whispers to you that wants to flow through you that you're almost like channeling from this idea that came from nowhere that right, you right, want right. to bring into the world right mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i got that i got your point yeah it can be but i think a muse um we can say that so it's more like the idea mind is something it's more like uh, you know when any creation is brought into existence into the material world it just comes from that void that space so even when a genius or even when a creator brings the creations into the world we have you know we have uh, heard so many interviews and uh, read the papers where they have said that they did not bring that creation or creativity or that you know whatever invention they did or whatever thing they created it was it did not come from their mind from their rational mind right it came to them the idea came to them when they were you know relaxing Mm-hmm. or maybe they were sleeping maybe through a dream through a vision and then they used their mind they worked upon that idea and created that creation and that is what is this law of unification like how we can unify the idea mind and our you know rational mind this mind this human mind and this unification can actually help us bringing those higher levels of creations into the world and bringing that higher levels of consciousness into the world by by giving it form through these new creations mm so the, it's like the idea the inspiration comes and mm-hmm. then the law of unification would be how do i bring it into form right and also in order to you know tap into that inspiration like where these mm. this inspiration is because we do not get inspired not everyone gets inspired we also need to tap into that idea mind from where we can get the ideas so law of unification is actually the whole process like a like book mastering creation actually gives the whole technique of how we can do that because you know our consciousness it is more like drawn towards so many things so many outer influences in the world that we are just not able to connect with those higher levels of consciousness where those ideas can come from and we can create them or give them form on this in this world on this planet so first we also need to we need to learn how to uh, actually 
overcome those lower levels of forces of consciousness which are binding us to these lower levels or which are not uh, allowing us to you know connect with those higher levels right like distractions they're keeping your That's attention right. focused externally and and it sounds like you you have a history where you're drawing on your yogic practices and i read in your bio also that you draw inspiration from quetzalcoatl and i'm really curious about your connection to him mm -hmm. and that energy and how that informs your work you know, Radha, I really do not know. I like I have I have never read, you know read about Quetzalcoatl earlier. I have never done that, and I do not know where it came from. But I just started researching about these creator gods, and they after this experience, earlier I had never never had any connection with uh, creator gods. I have read the text that mostly the texts which I have read like before this experience they were. Um, Mostly, you know, those holy texts, holy spiritual books, and some other spiritual books as well. But this came to me as a surprise. Like, I, if you, someone asked me where did, you know, if, if I have read them or if I have worked upon them earlier, no, I haven't. It just came to me, this idea somehow, and I had to. So I just researched. And I found this law of unification in in these motifs of Quetzalcoatl and Isis. So they, they are this, they are, you know, uh, they are depicted uh, with this, uh, with a bird or an eagle and the combination of bird or an eagle and then this reptile or a snake. So mostly these creator gods, not just Isis or Quetzalcoatl, there are other creator gods as well in other mythologies, which are depicted in the similar manner. And what they describe, they again, this bird and eagle is actually uh, representing the higher levels of consciousness, the idea mind. And then this, you know, snake or the reptile is representing the lower levels of consciousness, that is our mind. And similar kind of combination is observed in how genius is great, as I have already discussed. And then there is another motive, which is, you know, another statue which is found in in a museum in the U.S., which is, again, where now this, this bird or the eagle, they are shown fighting with each other, with, you know, the snake or the reptile. Mm -hmm. So it's like when the human mind rejects the ideas which come from the uh, higher levels of consciousness, which happens when when we are so attached to those lower levels of consciousness or when you we are under those that influence of lower levels of consciousness. So it again, you know, uh, it, it's, it's the theory of creation. So the book is actually, you know, describing this theory of creation, where how the consciousness evolves, and how we can actually cooperate with it in evolving our lives and evolving our planet and reach that highest level of consciousness. Amazing. Yeah, beautiful. And so like we were describing with the eagle and the snake with Quetzalcoatl, he's a deity that is that is the plumed serpent. So it's the that unific unification, like you keep speaking to of the higher mind and the lower mind together, so that you're living, <coughs> excuse me, in balance, mm -hmm. or as a creator in a way yourself. That's right. That's right. So it's more like because, you know, we say that we create our reality, but a lot of time we do not even know we are not even conscious or we are not even aware what we are creating. 
So this law of unification can help us become more aware of the creations or what are we creating into the world? Even if we are creating our lives, are we creating it as per our individual dharma, like our highest duty or our highest purpose in this world? Or are we just following what other people are doing? Because it happens a lot of times, we just get deviated from our highest duty in this world or our highest path or our individual dharma. And that is what brings in uh, unfulfillment into our lives. So this is uh, there is this beautiful quote in the verse in Bhagavad Gita which says it's better to uh, strive in one's own dharma than to succeed in another's dharma. That's and my favorite is... quote from the Bhagavad Gita. I say <laughs> oh that quote God. all of the time. It's my That's favorite beautiful. favorite quote. Right, and I have this in like this is also I have included it in Master Creation using the law of unification as well, and uh, this is what we are doing. You know, what you say because- though, in in lines with that, I think you know, a lot of folks get hung up on living their dharma because they're afraid of they won't be accepted, or people will think that they're weird or strange, or how do I make a living doing that? Absolutely. And, you know, I was doing the same thing. Like somehow I was keeping those things that that interest I had, although there was a strong urge, but I was keeping it. I for a while just kept it on a back seat and I just thought, no, I don't, I'll, I'll just pay my, you know, put my attention to this material world for a while. And it happens a lot of times. We all do that. And uh, that is uh, that is what uh, brings in that unfulfillment. Even if, you know, we achieve success in those things, mm-hmm. after a while, we are going to feel that that emptiness or that feeling of like, there is something lacking. So mm-hmm. we need something to live a fulfilling life. So would you say if someone out there right now that's listening and they they feel unfulfilled in their life, would that be a signal to them that they're not living in line with their life's purpose, so their dharma. Absolutely, absolutely. I think if there is unfulfillment, it's it's like the best kind of thing that can happen to a person because that means at least they are aware that they are unfulfilled. And if they are aware that they are unfulfilled, they can use that that even that little awareness to actually, you know, connect with those higher levels and to become to increase their awareness to to reach those higher levels where they can connect with their own purpose. So it's absolutely, this is true. Mm-hmm. I, I have read so many stories, even, you know, there was this book by, uh, um, I recently also shared it with someone. And uh, there was a U- UN Secretary General who was, uh, you know, living a very successful life. But when we read their, you know, innermost thoughts in their autobiographies or maybe their books, which they write, we actually see we, we can see how how unfulfilled their lives are and uh, there is there are a lot of things that are lacking and the reason is this that there are so many people in this world that who do not walk that path which is which can actually help them evolve and make them live those fulfilling lives and not just their lives if we follow our individual dharmas, it can in turn help uh, so many people around us. 
because in a way we are all connected and one person not following their own individual dharma is like you know we just kind of uh, act as an obstacle in the functioning of the whole mm-hmm. and we kind of prevent that evolution which has to happen on the planet mm-hmm. so it's, it's mm-hmm. would you say if someone was feeling unfulfilled that the suggestion wouldn't necessarily be well then you need to know what your passion is or you need to know what your dharma is and begin to act on it you could maybe say begin these practices and your dharma will be revealed to you or the idea mind will open to you and you'll you'll know which direction to take uh, see what i have done so what i uh, this book which i have written mastering creation using the law of unification is actually uh, it is a combination of theory and practices and it just came out not just because of those ideas but i think it the the experiences i had and whatever led me to those experiences so i have shared everything that actually led me to that that place that you know figuring out my dharma or maybe that dissolution so all those practices and steps which made me reach that destination is shared in that book and yes uh, there are certain practices because i i have used them and i think they work especially when i talk about there there are certain practices like you know using your your or exercising your will power which can help us increase or gain some control over our lower impulses because of which we can discriminate or attain that that power of discernment that uh, so that we can you know we are able to discern that whatever life we are creating or whatever path we are following is it is it based upon those lower levels of consciousness is it based mm. upon you know those attachments or just because other people are doing it mm. or is it truly my purpose here in this world or mm. if i'm following that individual dharma or not so yes if we can you know increase our awareness definitely it it improves it, it improves our uh, discernment and it really helps in on that path to reach that you know idea mind. Mhm. So discernment I hear you say is really important or willpower is important where you might have habits and reactions and patterns or ways right. of dissociating or masking and intuitively or inside there might be a voice that might say, "You know what? Don't do that." or make sure you do this and it's following that urge that's a little bit harder to do that you know will so be better true. for you that's that's so true and you know we even do not hear that voice and the reason because of this noise because our consciousness again it's drawn towards that outer noise mm-hmm. and how can we control that how can we you know not let it go there and instead sit there inside and listen to that voice and that's that's the way we can do it using that will power by just exercising it and just some basic practices if we can do daily can help us you know increase that awareness and help us gain that control 
And willpower is necessary for this starting stage for just, you know, to get on to, to reach a particular, to just, you know, overcome a particular level of stage. It's just necessary to do that through in that. In the beginning, in the beginning. Yes, in the and beginning. And it sounds like definitely. even before that, what you're saying is you have to be able to reduce the noise in order to hear the discerning voice. So first That's step right. would be practices or even ways to set up your life that you're reducing the input, maybe less time on social media or less time with the news, more time in nature, time quiet on your mats, things that help you to focus your mind also. Right. So solitude is also a part of these practices. Like I have also included solitude because I think that really helps us in, you know, getting in touch with that inner voice, which we are talking about. Mm. And um, because uh, a lot of time, you know, there was this, uh, people asked me about like uh, how, if, if we talk about this meditation, even if people are not doing meditation, so there are a lot of people who cannot understand what meditation actually is. So they do not know, like if we talk to them, this just meditate, they will be like, what do we have to actually do? (laughs) We do not know. So simply, even if you are not meditating, just spend time in solitude because, um, you know, in a way, meditation is just connecting with your, you know, that true self. And instead of sitting there, instead of trying to meditate, if you can just be, just sit in stillness or just, you know, mm. spend time in solitude to start with, I think that would work well, especially in, in our times where when there is so much distraction that mm-hmm. we do not have time to spend in solitude mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. And so solitude could even look like I'm at home, I'm by myself, the TV's off, I'm not listening to a podcast, I don't have my phone in my pocket, and I'm maybe even cooking dinner, I'm doing something, but I'm doing it without those external inputs on. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. Like you do not need any noise. Solitude means that you have to like cut down everything. So when you're spending time with yourself, you just need to be with yourself. Not even, do not even use, uh, I think I usually talk, like I usually say, you can keep those checks with you, which you think are pointing you towards something, even when you are in solitude, which can help you, you know, to self-inquire or to just to ponder over some thoughts because thoughts come in when we are in solitude. But there are certain texts or certain books which can help us to actually do that self-inquiry or, you know, ponder over things and which can help us gain insight into that truth. Mm -hmm. So you would suggest reading as well, reading some inspiring or spiritual texts? Absolutely. We can, we can use them, but not that social media or, you know, television, they are going to add to that noise again. And the influence is like very, uh, we just cannot get over that influence because those things come into our lives through these social media or maybe through television repetitively. Mm. And they kind of become our, you know, conditioning. And then we are not even, we do not even uh, know that if, if it's our, you know, they just build up a belief system in us and oh, we we're incredibly we are... conditions we're incredibly exactly. conditioned into that hypnotic trance where you're right you don't even realize 
it's the air that you're breathing. It's like being in LA and there's always smog and fog and it's never lifted and you don't know beyond that are trees and mountains in the ocean because it hasn't ever lifted. So true. Yes, absolutely. Until, you know, until we just get rid of them, we'll not know the difference. Hmm. And how would you say that your life has changed since living by this law of unification? Um, a lot of things have changed, you know. The first thing was like, I, I'm i just, uh, there is this, you know, when earlier I used to, I'm, I was a person like who used to plan a lot, like this is what we need to do, this is what I'm going to do. And with that dissolution, the first thing which came was I was not able to, because immediately when that when, when that dissolution happened, I was not able to, you know, look into like the future. For for a while, it was very difficult for me to, you know, have this. Now I can plan like little things like tomorrow a little bit, but still that planning thing, it just, it just went away. If things just started coming in more spontaneously even when I try to do that it just feels very you know I'm just it feels like I'm just forcing something into my life hmm. so that is something which just went away and so you're living way more now present moment of what's arising what comes up and trusting that versus projecting into the future and making plans that's true that's true and even, you know, it is like, even when I try to do that, it, 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 it just feels like it's, it's very difficult for me now to do that. Like, even if I try, I would be doing this after one year. I cannot do that. I, it just feels impossible. I do not know how it happened. It, I mean, after that dissolution, it just kind of felt like that was not even me who was doing that, that planning and everything. So how, how does it how does it feel now to live just in the present moment? So the best thing is that it feels very light. Like it's like something the, you just feel like there was this burden because you know we we live like that. We have to do this. We have to do that, and that is not even needed. Uh, life, even even if we are not planning, even if we are not thinking about things, what is gonna come tomorrow? life still moves on. Everything just happens automatically. We think we are doing it like that person gets so attached to the things. It just feels if the person will not plan for five years, maybe the person will not be able to survive for five years. But that's not truth. Like that's not the truth. Life just flows and it flows very effortlessly. If we just, you know, kind of, uh, I would say it's, because if, if someone, if that dissolution doesn't happen, the person needs to have this surrender into this way of living so that mm. can experience it. But yeah, it's really difficult. Uh, I do not even talk, like I do not even tell people to do that because I know how difficult it can be without that dissolution. Because until that dissolution can happen, we can all tell people to do that. But it gets really difficult to actually do that without that person going away because the person, every time, it just, it will just try to, you know, kind of control or take over the th things like, no, it will, it will come up again and again until that dissolution happens. Yeah. But still, and mm -hmm. Go ahead. 
yes i was saying but still we can what we can try is just we can you know uh, so that is the reason i do not uh, i even do not talk about this surrender thing even i haven't talked about the surrender in mastering creation using the law of unification because uh, i feel that it's it's very difficult for people to do that so i try to exp- uh, i try to use this technique of you know the will power and connecting with the that higher levels of consciousness instead of you know surrendering because that is something i just feel it it comes at a very later stage when people can actually do that yes surrender is a high level skill to embody because like you're saying right. it brings up a lot of fear i mean we've been so exactly. heavily conditioned that people think well if i don't plan or if i don't control what will happen or i won't be taken care of or i won't xxx and so it's driven by fear the inability to surrender and it's only once you've fully experienced for yourself and know in a direct experience way that you are connected that you can there that this oneness is there that you can then trust that it will never go That's away because you you actually lived it that's true that's absolutely true and even you know this is so strong our identity it's so strong and the impact of identity on our mind is even stronger because even when that dissolution happens it that mind still tries to you know try to control things because it's it so gets habitual with all those things but because when the person is not there it's not able to do that but for a while like we say that momentum remains like after something mm-hmm. is moving in that particular manner but still the thing is gone or has stopped but the momentum is still there and it takes time to actually fully trust or fully surrender into it so it's it's a very yes as you said it's a very high level skill and we really need to start with some basic techniques on this path mm-hmm. yeah you can't just i don't think you can fake surrendering That's why right, true absolutely we cannot when in in regards to that it's bringing to minds to this idea that i sometimes play with myself of saying yes like there's the surrender experiment by um oh i'm going to forget his name michael I'm, i can't remember michael I can't remember his last name, but the mm-hmm. surrender he wrote the untethered soul also. But the surrender experiment is his book on saying yes to everything that came into his life even if his mind didn't think that it was an actual yes for him and he would say yes to whatever is asked to him, whatever presented itself, whatever opportunity was there as a way to surrender. Do you find that you do that too or is that a part of it that you have a, a renewed ability to say yes even if your thinking mind doesn't quite know or might disagree you know rada i would say this is uh, this is a you know it's it's not a very um, there's I, i would not answer it in a yes or a no thing because this mm. is something i do not even suggest people to do uh, because before the experience if i would i would be saying yes to everything mm-hmm. then my life would be a heck i i mean i could not have done that because 
when I talk about this discernment, uh, there are things uh, in this world where, you know, we really have to say no to. Like if I'm saying, I, I have to, when, when we are spending, when we are trying to spend time in solitude, we actually are saying no to those those influences which are coming from lower levels of consciousness right we are saying no to the television or the social media so we have to do that but uh, when you know when these when the enlightened people write the books about surrender experience i think they write it from from the perspective when they actually you know reached that stage where they were able to say yes to all that experience which which was coming into their life like when i now if i talk about this i would say yes now it's easier for me to say mm -hmm. yes because i know that life is just flowing through me right yeah. now yeah so, you're right mm -hmm. so the first step again is the discernments that you have to right. sort of clean and clear until the field and remove the things that are distractions or remove the things that aren't serving you or remove the things that aren't influences that you would like anymore and then once you've actually said no to a lot of things That's then it's true. possible to say yes Right now, like when the when the person knows that, uh, you know, the things that are flowing in life or that the person has actually become that vessel and now those things are just flowing, that, that is the time when we can actually surrender. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay, that makes sense. Thank you for talking that out with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, anything else about your book that you would like to share or the work that you're doing? Do you have trainings that folks could take with you as well? You know, I have just started with this. And uh, while I was writing this book, uh, this uh, COVID situation came up and I was not able to spread the word at that time. So now I'm doing this. I'm just trying to, you know, spreading the word using these podcasts. I was also not aware how to do that because everything just happened and I was kind of just following whatever was coming up. So I was writing and then I started uh, tried to spread the word. I did not, I had no idea how to do that. <laughs> so now I'm doing it through podcast. And I have also started this uh, program, the Law of Unification program on the website, not just started, but we are like, I would be doing it soon because um, there were uh, a few readers who actually, you know, told me that uh, the book is uh, like, they have gone through the book, but they need to, they have like, they want to deepen that inquiry or they have that those questions which they would like to uh, ask or they would like to you know do those practices and deepen those things so how can they do that so i thought that maybe i should you know start with this program so i have a start i have just you know we are just going to launch it but maybe we will be doing it next year in 2022 maybe in spring uh, i would be trying to start it at that moment because things are just opening up and I just feel that maybe that would be the best time. So um, let's see, there is a there is this uh, page on the website where people can join in, join in the wait list if they want, you know, to deeper and if they have read the book and they just want to go deeper into this law of unification mm -hmm. and then we can go ahead with it. Yeah, I'll link to your website in the show notes, but essentially it's your name, Divneet Kral. How do you say your middle name? Or is it part of yeah, your it's, last yeah, name? Yeah, it's Kar. Kar. Kar Lal. Kar Lal. 
Yeah. yeah. DivneyCarlisle.com backslash programs is where um, what you're talking about is. And so it sounds like you're in the act of creation right now because people are wanting to go deeper with you. People want to have access to ask, ask you questions or have some guidance and you're, you'll be, you'll be bringing that forward um, next year. Yes. Uh, I think I'll have to, if like people will need it, you know, then I'll have to do that. I'm more like now I'm in a position that I have to say yes <laughs> to these things, especially. So um, yeah, we will be doing that. So let's see how it goes. And um, there was also, uh, you know, I, when this mastering creation using the law of unification was uh, being created or I was, you know, writing the book. So uh, there was this also this another thing which I haven't discussed, but again, because you said you you have, maybe you have read Bhagavad Gita. That is yeah, why yeah. you said that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there is this, uh, this upright tree, uh, this upward down facing tree, which is, you know, talked about in the Bhagavad Gita, which is also part of the master integration is in the law of unification. And this is the similar kind of motive, again, that the creators, uh, that, that describes the work of the creators, which is like uh, the tree is upside down and the fruits are at a lower level and the root is at, at a higher level. And the roots, again, depicting that idea mind and the fruits, uh, which are, you know, creations, which we can bring into the world, so when creators, they're actually, you know, bringing in the fruits into the world, they do not have to get attached to those fruits because yes. if they do that, they'll not be able to get in touch with the roots again. They'll not be able to tap into that idea mind mm. again. So there is this feeling of like, they must have this detachment with, you know, their fruits of creation, whatever fruits they are bringing into the world so that they can tap into that idea mind again. Because mm. once we get attached to that, those fruits or maybe those creations we bring into the world, then again, that connection is just, it just breaks. It just, right. you know, we cannot tap into that again. It's sort of the idea of, renewal where you've brought something into the world and if you stay attached to well this is the thing I do or this is what I offer or this is the one thing that I need to keep focusing on the longer that you do that you're not renewing ideas or receiving new inspiration and it actually might lead towards stagnation that's right. That's right. And, you know, this is like stagnation and this is what stops the evolution to even on our spiritual journey. Like even if we, you know, attain a certain stage, we never can say like, uh, uh, like this is our journey is finished. We never can say that even when we experience it because that unfolding, it just keeps on happening in a way maybe in a way of offering to the world, maybe in any other form. So we have to remain, we have to have that sense of you know, detachment. Mm -hmm. And that is what creators do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great inquiry for people to ask themselves is, what in my life have I brought into the world that I could let go of that's had its time, but something new wants to come through now? That's why it's so true, so true. We can do that. And I think this is a beautiful, like, uh, you just, you know, gave a beautiful question for self-inquiry. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Yeah. What What would you say? Because it's so important to you know ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the right questions and and to self reflect, like you you were pointing to too, even just time and solitude with yourself and yoga. I mean, it's often described as self awakening or self discovery, and even just the the yoga practices, like the way that I I live and I teach them, they're always mm-hmm. ways for me to get to know myself better. That's right. Mm-hmm. And help me to remove the barriers that I have to knowing myself. And it's a continual process that I'm always refreshing because being in the world, you're accumulating karmas constantly too. Or I have, you know, my different uh, samskaras that I still are my shadow and I'm not aware of. And it's like peeling back layers of an onion to go deeper and deeper. That's so true, so true. This is so true. I also talk about these layers, like, you know, and when we have these uh, beliefs which we form, because this is also, again, the part of those lower levels of consciousness. And if they are formed uninquired, they are like the outermost layers and which we can remove them easily. So, yeah. Hmm. Well, for those, again, that are listening, would you have any final messages or anything that you'd want to say to them to the person who's who's feeling that lack of fulfillment and a little afraid or a little uncertain about how to begin changing what would you say uh you know i think because uh, the times we are living in it's not very difficult to attain this this higher level of awareness because earlier it was all the difficult but now right now it's easy if i talk about myself um, i would say i i did not even you know do those practices uh, to a very advanced level i did them from i just started from a very basic level and they, i did not even reach those advanced levels and we just get them easily in these times maybe because of you know because the distractions are more and if we can put in a little bit of effort it would be easy with like easily we can get that and even the fulfillment we can get easily so we do not have to it's it's just a little bit of effort that would take us there and if we have that aspiration we can all reach that stage Mm-hmm. So it's easier than you think it might be. It's not going to require a ton of austerities, at least not in the beginning. And maybe you didn't, if you begin with some simple practices Definitely. or easy Definitely. ways mm-hmm. to alter your daily life and daily flow, stuff will start to shift. It's easier. Um, it's easier if, if I talk about the time we are investing it. So, because, you know, earlier in earlier times, uh, the Indian yogis or people who used to try these things, uh, they were doing quite severe practices and they never used to get, there were a lot of people who used to say like, maybe we'll get it in another lifetime or so. But right now uh, it's easier because people are getting aware, aware and they are getting awakened as well. A lot of people talk about it. And also the time taken, like if people were, you know, spending in hundred in year, hundred years and doing those practices, now we do not need those hundred years. The reason is, uh, the, the, you know, it's like, uh, if I give you an example here. So if we have a more, uh, if we use, if we go to gym and use more weights, we we can train our muscles uh, 
faster as compared to when we use less weight. So it's similarly, right now the distractions are more, those forces outside, they have increased. And mm. because this amount is more, now the time taken to do those things, to you know work those things will be less. There will be the effort will be required, but it would not be that much. It would be, I, I just feel it's easier now. And the time is also like the less time is required as compared to the older times. Well, that's a great analogy. That really helps to make it clear that if you put in a little bit of effort now, because you're battling against pretty extreme outside forces, it will help you quicker to shift and change and and then more resources start to come your way that's true and you know the suffering and pain we experience this is also it's more like uh, when the consciousness is actually giving our you know giving us providing us this pain or suffering and then the amounts are increased the reason is because it wants to evolve through us and Mm -hmm. if we can just uh, uh just be aware of that evolution and put in that little bit of effort and move according to that consciousness in accordance with that consciousness. We would be able to do that. We would be able to evolve and reach those levels. Got it. I love it. I love your work and it's so inspiring um, that you've, you have your new work, Mastering Creation, your book. I'm sure it's available right on Amazon and all the sites people could get it. Yes, it's available on Amazon and also on my website, we have a link, like we have a button out of the book where they can find links to other retailers as well. Okay. Okay, great. Other, of course, would be nice. Other retailers besides Amazon too, <laughs> or your local bookstore, which is wonderful. A great place to pick up things. Well, thank you, Divneet, for your time. It's been wonderful um, connecting with you and hearing more about your story and the, just the gifts that you're giving to the world right now. It's needed now more than ever. So thank you. Thank you so much, Radha. I really enjoyed our talk. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome.